Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the show that digs deeper to understand what really matters most in business. I'm a managing director at B. Riley Financial, and I'm also the author of the new ROI, Return on Individuals. That book talks about the value of human capital and its connection to the value of a business enterprise. And today, we're going to be talking about that very topic with Jeff Higgins, who is the founder and CEO of Human Capital Management Institute. And Jeff is also an adjunct professor of uh, human capital analytics. Jeff, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Dave, thank you. It is uh, great to be here and excited to talk about something I am passionate about. Yeah, tell the audience a little bit about who you are and then we'll get into it. Sure. Uh, Jeff Higgins, founder and CEO of Human Capital Management Institute, HCMI is a lot easier to say. Uh, what we do, all we do is basically quantify human capital, a.k.a. talent, a.k.a. people, a.k.a. workforce. Uh, have been doing that for over 20 years. Uh, but actually, before that, I had an earlier career in finance and accounting, uh, ultimately as a controller, VP of finance and CFO. So I worked closely on the human capital issue, but from a financial standpoint, which usually meant uh, accounting, which, of course, we'll be talking about that I was trying to minimize labor costs. That was my, my way of uh, optimizing talent, people, human capital, keeping labor costs down. Then I crossed over to HR and did, started getting into analytics from a human capital people standpoint, that, hey, where's the standards for HR? How we measure and report HR? Said, oh, you mean the employee handbook? I said, no, how do we measure and report metrics and people, human capital, talent? Said, oh, we don't have anything like that. That began the 20 year journey and uh, started HCMI back in 2009. Uh, and again, I'm very fortunate. I get to work on something I'm very passionate about, almost like detective work for how we quantify people and talent every day. Yeah, and you're the go-to authority on this topic as far as I'm concerned. And what you alluded to there, unfortunately, is uh, a mindset that a lot of people still have, that people really are expenses and not assets. But let, let's jump in here, Jeff. In August of 2020, mid-pandemic, the SEC uh, mandated some new disclosure requirements for public registrants around the topic of human capital. And while it's noteworthy that it happened mid-pandemic, uh, a lot of folks say that they didn't really go far enough. What's your thoughts on those current requirements, and what can we expect down the road? Yeah, great, great question. So, yeah, you're right. The SEC in 2020, during the pandemic, actually did, took a remarkable step of announcing that human capital or talent is uh, material or significant to virtually every business. But they took a, a kind of a hands-off, principles-based approach. They said, we're going to leave it to each industry and each company to decide what to disclose and how to measure it uh, to the markets. And, but, and each company needs to make their own determination that, in fact, human capital is material. Well, the good news is, uh, since, that, since that SEC announcement, uh, most companies have made the determination that their people are human capital yeah, are uh, material or significant. Which, by the way, it's hard not to say that when you're CEO in most of these public-listed companies are saying, our people are our most valuable asset, our people are different, our people are our source of value creation. So there's all these flowery statements that CEOs have been saying, and yet, you know, the measurement, the, the metrics, the disclosure hasn't been there. The bad news is, since that, because there were no specific metrics mandated, that uh, most companies chose not to disclose anything new. Uh, other than things they already had underway to disclose or they had already started to disclose, in which case uh, it did include some, uh, most companies, more than half of the S&P 500 are disclosing something around diversity. Uh, but uh, most of the metrics that uh, in institutional investors who were the ones who actually 
um, posted up or basically sent a letter requesting the SEC to look into it that led to that actual announcement and disclosure rule, uh, you know, they were left disappointed. So most companies didn't step up. Now the SEC has actually announced the second bite at the apple. They're going to come out with new disclosure rules and they're going to mandate specific metrics. We think somewhere between five and 15 metrics to start. Uh, and it's going to come out literally any day. Uh, so that's going to be a big game changer for the first time. People count human capital is going to have some metrics that every company can be required to disclose. For those who aren't familiar, uh, currently today, there's only one thing besides the SEC's new announcement that material or, or people are material, human capital is material and important. Only thing that was required to be reported before that was number of employees. That's it. Nothing else. So this is going to be a game changer in terms of companies having to get their numbers right on their people and disclose what they have, how they have it, how much people cost, employee engagement, internal promotions, turnover, all kinds of things. Wow, that, that's good stuff. I can't wait to hear more about that. Um, what do you think the impact of that's going to be, Jeff, on, we'll call it gap accounting for HR, if you will? Well, I think this is, this is going to be a foundational piece of gap accounting for HR. In fact, that was when I, when I crossed from finance to HR in my introduction. I really discovered there was no, there's no generally accepted you know, HR principles for how to measure and report. Everyone agrees at, the, at a very high level, but when you go more than three inches deep, everybody disagrees. Uh, the HR profession couldn't even agree on how to measure and report attrition or turnover. What was turnover and how do you exactly measure it? So really seemingly simple stuff HR couldn't get uh, all in alignment on. So this is going to help drive that. And even before that, in 2018, ISO, the International Organization for Standards, came out with a, a global standard for how to measure and report workforce that had approximately 60 metrics in it. And we know that the SEC has been using that as one of the reference points for what they're going to disclose. So what we see is the, the building blocks of a future um, set of gap accounting rules for HR, how to measure and report, are finally coming into place uh, after people have been calling for this for probably two decades. Uh, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way companies uh, operate. Uh, a lot of them say our people are, most, are valuable, uh, but the you know, metrics and disclosure is going to enable benchmarking uh, and reporting. And, of course, uh, the, the old adage, you know, if you don't measure it, how can you improve it? So once they, once they measure it and they have to report it, you can bet companies are going to be taking it much more seriously. And for the first time, I, I would hypothesize that CHROs uh, or someone who's certainly very knowledgeable about analytics and, and workforce in the company is going to need to be at every board meeting, every shareholder call to talk about talent and human capital because, frankly speaking, as a former CFO, they're not, they're not really capable to discuss human capital or talent issues at that level of detail. Yeah. So, Jeff, I, I have this vision that once we get this kind of detailed disclosure from public registrants, uh, we'll be able to correlate the returns on public company stock prices, enterprise value appreciation, uh, based on human capital investment, and then translating it into my world in business valuation, using that component as what I refer to as the human capital investment factor, as kind of the alpha in our discount rate calc. Does that make any sense to you? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're singing, you know, we're singing the same chorus. Um, yeah, there, there is some work that's been done that links human capital to stock price and market valuation. Actually, we did some work more than a decade ago on that. But to your point, since most companies don't disclose 
a lot of that work was based on international companies that have a you know, higher level of disclosure rules and requirements. Uh, it didn't include a lot of the U.S.-based companies. Um, and now, once that happens, yeah, there's going to be a there's going to be an enablement of not only greater benchmarking, but a much clearer linkage between uh, things like uh, labor costs and market price and stock value, which there's already correlation. But things like turnover rate, you know, are, are you losing too many people? Is it just a factory where you just churn through talent all the time? Or is it a company that really, you know, attracts and retains great talent? And, and when you say great talent, how are they measuring that? They're going to need to share uh, with us in detail an employee engagement or employee culture. How are they measuring, quantifying that? How are they improving it? So there's a lot of, a lot of great information that's about to come out that uh, I think valuation experts such as yourself are going to be able to really take to the bank. Because, you know, quite frankly, uh, speaking again as a former financial person, uh, the finance world, Wall Street, still really, really underutilizes even the talent and human capital information that's available today. Yeah. Jeff, for folks who are watching or listening, want to know more about you, how they can work with you, uh, what's the best way for them to reach you? Best way to reach me is at uh, jeff.higgins at hcmi.co uh, or metricsman1 uh, at Twitter. <laughs> Metricsman1 at Twitter. Check him out. Jeff, we have uh, just about five minutes or so to go here in this segment, but I want to ask you one more thing here before we have to go to a commercial break. Uh, you alluded to employee engagement just a moment ago. So envision this world now where we have these more robust financial reporting requirements for these public registrants. What do you imagine the resultant behavior looking like inside these organizations? Is it going to be an improvement of corporate culture, or is it going to go the other way because people are now more focused on metrics? Ooh, great question. Great question. So there's already some work that's been done by uh, a couple of professors that show that companies that actually, so those companies, both international and domestic, there are a few domestic U.S.-based companies that uh, do have much higher levels of disclosure and transparency around people, that those companies that disclose more actually perform better. There's, you know, better stock price, better market value, uh, and they, and many of them are actually disclosing some elements of their culture, like employee engagement score and things like that. Uh, so based on what we've seen so far, what's, you know, what's really believed and what I believe is that what we're going to get is a lot more improvement in the metrics because, uh, I know as a former CFO, whatever the number was, if you had to report it, uh, there was a tremendous amount of focus when it came time every, every quarter to announcing and or discussing those metrics. And the, the biggest area that I think is going to get challenged is some of the uh, flowery storylines that CEOs like to say, oh, we, we really invest and build our own talent. Really? Well, according to your disclosures, your, say your internal promotion rate is actually less than 50%. So less than 50% of open jobs that you could fill internally, you still go outside. So actually you're more of a buy than build company oops hmm. so there's going to be some some facts that are going to get put to some of the stories that see and ceos may not even know honestly they may they may be saying that with full belief but they're not correct so there's going to be a lot of oh we you know we pay market or above like, well as you look at the benchmarks and labor costs naturally see that no actually you pay below market for a lot of your workers oh what but hey they're highly engaged so it's really going to be about the story Disclosure and the metrics is actually the beginning of the journey, not the end. 
what's really going to be exciting is the story that companies have to tell about their people now. Once their metrics are out, they have to craft a story. And as you know, in the finance and valuation standpoint, most companies have good news, you know, mixed news and bad news. So they have to craft all that into a story around the financials every quarter anyway. So this is going to be a new muscle. Companies are going to have to learn how to flex and grow and build to talk about their employees and what they're doing. So I, I really do believe they're going to get a lot better at it. Uh, and they're going to be focusing on how to improve it. Even though they've said they're working on it and they're improving it or it's already great, I think the, the reality is going to sink in for companies that they really have to get their gear in. And I also think HR is going to get a wonderful gift. They're going to get a budget that they've never had. You know, HR is the smallest budget of any major function in large multinational companies. So even though people come first, the HR group, which are the stewards, the sandbox trainers, the guys, the recruiters, the talent managers of all of this talent, smallest budget. So you see an inconsistency there? I do. So they're going to get a bigger and better budget because they're going to need to have their numbers straight for this kind of reporting and disclosure level, which would be a great thing, I think, for not only HR, but also for the workforce and the employees themselves. And that's a great spot for us to take a break. Jeff, don't go anywhere. Uh, you watching and listening, sit tight. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. All right, ladies, that is a wrap for today's Talk 65. Now that we're done filming, we wanted to talk to you directly. Do you have any questions about maybe some of the topics you've seen on one of our shows? Or are you new to Medicare or just need help understanding your options for Medigap, Medicare Advantage, or prescription drug coverage? Annette, Patricia, and myself are licensed health insurance brokers that specialize in everything Medicare. So give us a call. We're, We're here, here to, to help. Mmm, cheesy grooves. Flavor, flavor, flavor! Crunch! Cheesy grooves, so much flavor, it's a mind crunch. It. Lawyers get a bad rap. I'm Erin Bruschi, host of Legal Breakdown, where we dissect legal topics for the everyday viewer with a mix of interesting guests to talk about current events and hot legal topics. Let's work together to make the law accessible and relevant to everyone. Catch us every week on RVN Television. This ain't just stuffed crust. This is Papa John's crust. Stuffed. And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking about human capital analytics with Jeff Higgins, who is the founder and CEO of Human Capital Management Institute and also an adjunct professor at USC in the topic of human capital analytics. Jeff, really good conversation in segment one. Uh, I want to kick off this segment by uh, talking about a topic that um, is kind of interesting to me because as we think about this human capital analytics thing and in my world, doing a, a better job, more robust analysis around valuing the assembled workforce for financial reporting, I keep coming back to this understanding that nobody really gives a rip because people aren't on a balance sheet. It doesn't matter. And in the world of financial reporting, as you know, uh, that assembled workforce gets subsumed into goodwill 
And oh, by the way, it's only the acquired company workforce because intangible value isn't created unless it's acquired. Are people ever going to wind up back on a balance sheet, Jeff? I believe they will. You, you brought up a, a favorite hot button point. When I've been doing training for a couple of decades now on human capital measurement. And for HR and finance professionals, to, uh, and as well as business leaders, I've often asked, since people are the most valuable asset, uh, ask people in the room speaking, including uh, CFO uh, conferences, uh, where are people on the balance sheet? Um, where are they? You know, what asset number has the value of all the people? And most people struggle. They already, uh, to your point, they might say brand or they might say goodwill, um, but that's those are lump numbers that are related to intellectual property, uh, not you know tangible assets like a laptop computer. I also tell the joke: a laptop computer is worth more than a person, even though a laptop is probably going to be obsolete in three to five years. Right? It won't be able to run the latest software. It'll have to be, you know, tossed or massively upgraded, whereas people go up in value over time. You know, wait a minute, something's wrong with that. Oh, by by the way, a laptop computer gets to be on the balance sheet as an asset because it has an asset tag. Do people have an asset tag? No. Do we want them to have an asset tag? Well, maybe not. But guess what? People are on the balance sheet in a negative way. Liabilities, accrued benefits, bonus, retirement, anything that's a negative, accounting rules. Uh, would require you in terms of being, you know, being conservative to actually include that, but nothing positive, nothing positive. So actually what I think is coming is that I actually predict that training, the investment cost of training, because in many cases training meets most of the tests for the definition of an asset, provides value greater than a year, which is the most foundational. Uh, it is, you know, lots of uh, ability to measure it and value it. Uh, and so I actually think companies will be able to capitalize some aspects of qualified training to put on their balance sheet. For the first time, when you have people leaving the company and you have a positive number that you've loaded on the balance sheet for investment and training in some of those employees, when they leave, you're going to have to write that number off. And accounting will, for the first time, actually be showing a direct charge for an asset. So just like if a laptop computer, if you drop it and break it, they have to write off whatever value of that asset still sitting on the, on the books. Now, for employees, they're going to have to write up a training number. There could be other things, too, that are going to get capitalized as well. It's going to be exciting to see. So, Jeff, when we talk about the possibility of these new requirements for disclosure, are, are the companies ready yet? I mean, is the data ready for prime time? That's a great question. I, I actually predict that many companies are going to, uh, because when the SEC comes out with their rules, there's going to be a comment period. I think a lot of companies are going to push back and say, hey, this is too hard. This is too difficult. The standards aren't there. The standards is actually not true at all. There's this ISO standard that I mentioned earlier, 60 metrics, what to measure, how to measure it that exists. There's also uh, a large body and growing body of both institutional investors and evidence showing that uh, human capital metrics really do matter. Uh, but I do agree, companies largely aren't ready. In fact, a lot of really literally Fortune 50 companies I've talked to the, the general response is we'll worry about that when the SEC makes the announcement. Like, you're not trying to get ahead of this. You're not trying to be ready to go. No, we'll, we'll we're, you know, we're busy. We'll get to it when the announcement, but wow, that's not going to leave you much time to work. Uh, and so I do think companies will complain about it. They're not fully ready. The good news is technology and in a weird way, the pandemic with its huge drive to push everyone to be more digital has enabled it. I think databases and data tools today for analytics are so much more advanced, better, faster, cheaper than they've ever been. So I think pulling that data 
you know, whether you're in one country or a hundred countries is going to be easier than it's ever been. And companies are going to be able to pull that together quickly. They may need a little help with some standardization of it behind the scenes, but they're going to, they're going to be able to do it. And it's not going to be as prohibitively expensive as they might uh, be thinking it will be. Jeff, what's the risk for companies if they don't get this right? Well, I think the, uh, the, yeah, the risk is there's a lot of reputational risk. By the way, um, um, uh, one of the large um, gaming companies out here on the West Coast, um, is it Activision? Yeah, uh, Activision Blizzard, uh, actually uh, is one of the first publicly known uh, SEC investigations based on the new the 2018 or 2020 human capital disclosure rule. So they made a lot of public statements about their, their talent or their people. Came to find out they had a lot of seri- a series of lawsuits around discrimination, sexual harassment, and other problems that had not that management had been aware of but had not disclosed. So they're actually under uh, SEC enforcement actions. Uh, and as you know, they've now been uh, uh, or there's an acquisition in process for them. So companies are going to take a huge hit if what they say and what they do and what they report turn out to be different. And by the way, a lot of companies would say, well, this, this stuff is proprietary. It's confidential. We shouldn't be sharing, uh, you know, this level of detail about our talent. Which, by the way, it's all aggregate. It's not an individual employee level. I'd say to that, I would say, oh, so you want institutional investors to go to Glassdoor? Facebook and Twitter to get their information about your company and its culture, which by the way, that's, that's where the angriest and most frustrated employees are going to vent how they feel about your culture. Is that when you really want them to be uh, getting, no, 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 we don't. So companies would love to hold control of, but honestly, the digital age, there's actually more information out there than they could possibly ever control. And employees' ability to put information out there in the social media space or other, other objective tools like Glassdoor or, or other engagement comments that get out there is uh, more transparent than ever. So companies really owe it to themselves and to the marketplace and to investors and to their employees to get ahead on all this and just disclose and craft a realistic story about what's actually going on, not what they wish it to be or what they'd like the market to believe it to be. Jeff, tell the audience how they can connect with you if they want to learn more. Uh, www. Uh, excuse me, uh, .hcmi.co is our website. Jeff.higgins at hcmi.co is my email address. Or metricsman1 is my Twitter handle. Awesome. Jeff, we are unfortunately are getting close to the end here. Just have a couple of minutes to go. But I want to ask you one more question, if I might, about employee engagement. We've talked about it a couple of times here around the periphery. And in my world, in valuing the assembled workforce for financial reporting purposes, we don't include an employee engagement factor. And I'm currently working with a group to try and help refine the analysis so that we can consider levels of engagement across different levels of uh, the employee stratification. And maybe even at the enterprise level in its entirety, where a company that may be more engaged in its workforce, it warrants a premium than a company that otherwise does not. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that? What are your thoughts? Sorry, Dave, you cut out for a moment there. Oh, great. Uh, real quick then, employee engagement, Jeff. In my world, we don't consider employee engagement as uh, any consideration in valuing the assembled workforce. Obviously, an engaged employee is, should be worth more than somebody who's disengaged. Talk about the idea of employee engagement in the construct of you know, enterprise value, growth value, things like that. Oh, great, great, great question. 
So there is work, a growing body of work, showing that more highly engaged workers get what's called discretionary effort. They go above and beyond the job description. They go above and beyond to serve their customers. So there's a strong uh, linkage that's already been documented in many cases. We have a few case studies ourselves on our website uh, showing that highly engaged workers are actually the key, if not if not the a, 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 they are probably the key driver of what we call customer delight. So how you delight customers, whether you're B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. Uh, and that, that drives a higher level of revenue, better customer retention, new, better customer acquisition. So getting customers, keeping customers, keeping customers delighted. And there's a revenue and profitability impact that. We actually documented one case study with JetBlue Airlines that it leads to essentially a 1% increase, you know, a more highly engaged workforce leads to at least a 1% increase in revenue. You think, well, that's nothing. But the marginal cost of a highly engaged worker is what? Yes, here's an easy number, zero. So for people to be highly engaged, there's no increased cost. And yet your revenue is going to go up 1% and with no revenue up 1% cost, zero, that all goes to the bottom line. That could be a 10 or 20% increase in your profitability. And by the way, that's one reason why JetBlue has been one of the most successful and profitable airlines in the history of airlines, because they actually use employee engagement, they actually have a metric called net promoter score that they use inside to measure their employees' engagement. And they've linked it very successfully to customer engagement, customer delight, customer retention, and customer acquisition. So uh, that's actually the linkage. And that, that value, that does translate into a higher valuation, higher market value. So especially as every company has to start disclosing things like employee engagement scores, uh, we think uh, for valuation, again, experts like yourself, Dave, this is going to be a you know a wonderful opportunity to quantify industry by industry, you know, medium, large, smaller businesses that valuation differential for highly engaged workers. And I think that's actually going to translate into more and more great things, more and more focus and employee centricity on the part of organizations over and above what they already say and in many cases do, but some say it and don't do it. I'm looking forward to that day. And Jeff, unfortunately, we're out of time. I want to thank you. So much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. What a great conversation. Thank you, Dave. It's an honor to be here on Behind the Numbers. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing out there. Well, thank you. Back at you, my friend. We've been talking with Jeff Higgins today, the founder and CEO of the Human Capital Management Institute. Uh, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their more, most important assets are worth. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. I am always happy to have a conversation. And as always, thank you for watching and listening. We can't do the program without you. Please hit the subscribe button so you can stay in contact with us and all that we're up to. That's it for today, folks. We will see you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care, everybody.